Welcome to the Next Level Brands Podcast, where we share stories about the food and CPG world with experts in the trenches about how to build a successful brand today. Now, your host, G. Stephen Clear. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us here on the Next Level Brands Podcast. We're brought to you today by Kitchen to Shelf, the educational arm of Next Level Brands and providers of online and in-person courses and workshops for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you're selling at a regional basis, at farmer's markets, or maybe just online, and you want to expand your retail distribution, you should look into the courses and webinars from Kitchen to Shelf. Want to learn more about distributors, co-packers, trade funding? Kitchen to Shelf can help you learn what you need to know to grow. More details available at kitchentoshelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com. I'm Steve Clear, and today I'm welcoming on the show Michelle Mazzara, who's the founder and CEO of Love of Foodie. Michelle has an extensive background with larger CPG firms, but was inspired to start her own brand. And she will get to this. Loveafoodie.com actually started as a dating website. But Michelle soon added other products and most with a mission behind them based on her own medical experiences and that of her friends and pet. Love of Foodie brand has expanded beyond confections to spices to supplies to this summer iced tea, which we're going to talk a lot about. Much to go over here. Welcome to the program, Michelle. Thank you very much, Steve. It's my pleasure. So I, I have to admit, this is a, a number of founders and entrepreneurs in the food and beverage space. This is the first time I've ever talked to someone who morphed something from a dating site to a brand. Can you talk a little bit about how that happened? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, um, you know, Steve, I started Love of Hoodie six years ago on August 19th. I actually debuted it on Fox TV as ah. a, the first uh, dating website for singles for foodies. And one of the reasons I created it is because I'm single and I'm a foodie and I thought, well, I, I would meet somebody if I could have, you know, if I had that commonality with them. And um, so if I did start a website that was for singles who are foodies, what would I call it? And so at three in the morning, it came to me, it would be called Love a Foodie. So it was a dating <laughs> website for about, um, about a year, maybe a year and a half. But after six months, I decided to take the brand and come out with homemade caramels. And so really I started it in August by spring of 2015, I had a line of caramels. So my background being in CPG and a salesperson for my entire career, I thought, well, I bet this brand could also be a product. And sure enough, uh, customers love the caramels. I don't have them anymore. Um, but because of the success of the caramels, I started to think, you know, maybe I need to pivot, make a change, and just concentrate on the brand being a consumable. And, right. and that's kind of what happened. And, and so, again, caramels in the confectionery. And, and by the way, when you had the, the, the dating website thing up, restaurants must have just loved you. Because it's pretty obvious well, people are going to go on yeah. a date. They're going to go to a restaurant, right? Right. Restaurants and coffee, you know, meet for a coffee or meet for a drink. Um, the problem with the dating website in the industry, once I got into it and I went to a couple of seminars and conferences, is really two large corporations that own all of them. And you have to really have about a million dollars a year to spend on um, getting critical mass, which I did not have. And so that's another reason I exited it. I thought, you know, I'm just not going to get the critical mass enough to in every city yeah, because people yeah. were, you know, 
wanting to sign up in across the country. And I'm like, well, there's not that many people in New York City right now. Um, there were always obviously more people in the Twin Cities because I went on a lot of TV and I got a lot of publicity and I, you know, because it was the first and I still think it's the only, it was, I don't think anyone else has done it, but maybe they have. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it, it was successful locally, but not, I wouldn't say it was very successful nationally because I didn't have the money. Right. To, to, to do yeah. like, you know, national TV and, and to tell everybody yeah. in, in, across the country, here it is. <laughs> now, when, when you still had at that point, just the confections, did you, were you, did you start for selling from the website or did you go to local stores and stuff and, and try to get the, no, no, I, I did not. Um, I, so it's well, the, the website didn't change. Um, I, I completely got out of and reformatted the, the website probably after a year and a half. So what I did is I was able to go to um, a local uh, chain of grocery stores here in the Twin Cities called Kowalski's Markets. They're actually known to be one of the, they were just uh, in the, yeah. voted as one of the top um, grocers in food and wine yeah. magazine. Um, so I went there and they're very good at supporting local companies and they're very much into healthy products and good for you. And my caramels did not have preservatives in them and they, and they were homemade and like the raspberry was made with fresh raspberries. So it was right up their alley and they're like, oh my God, these are the best caramels. We want them. So um, I never did as an entrepreneur and getting into the food space, Steve, I never did um, farmer's markets or pop-up shows. I, I really was very fortunate. I got into Kowalski's and then um, Hy-Vee stores, which are large uh, yep. grocery stores. Yep. They came into the marketplace about a year and a half later, and they wanted basically everything that Kowalski's had. And so I got in, so I, so the caramels, I got into these big stores and, um, and then I, I morphed out from caramels to, because we didn't have any preservatives in them, I, I was chasing the shelf life at all these stores doing demos. And I'm like, I got to get into something a little bit more shelf stable. Right. So, yeah. So I, then I got into chocolates and chocolates, you know, are last longer than, um, caramels. And even though we didn't have any preservatives in the chocolate, it's just more shelf stable. And then in 2016, I thought, you know, and I won a lot of cooking contests. I won, um, the one I'm most proud of is, is I won the eighth annual Cabot Wine Gourmet Pizza Contest. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and I actually was, um, the as a finalist and grand prize winner, I was sent to Italy. I could take, a, I won a trip for two oh, to Italy. Which that's was, tough. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty cool. We went to uh, their headquarters in Trento, Italy, and got to tour the plant. And anyway, to make a long story short, when I got back from Italy, um, in 2000, so that was the end of 2015, 2016, I'm like, I got to get into spices. Because if you looked at my counter, like, that's all I was doing for, I was creating recipes and winning all these contests. And I'm like, I think I could take Lava Foodie and do some spices. So again, the premise of Lava Foodie, and I want to tell your listeners how to spell it because it's it's a little bit different than they different, probably are right. thinking. Yeah, it's actually L U V A F O O D I E. And so, if you want to go to the website, it's actually our birthday this month. Um, well, in August. I this is probably going to air in August, but. It's levafoodie.com, and we're also on Amazon.com, but instead of using an O, I used a U, like like love a foodie. Love a foodie. Got it. 
and yeah, so um, that's just a little follow up. But um, so I, in 2016, I launched in the spring grilling spices, four basic grilling spices. And, um, you know, the bulk of grilling is done from like May until like mm, beginning of October. It's really a seed. It's really, really, really big year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I did that. And then, of course, I got addicted to creating spices. And so I wasn't satisfied with just four. I continued to um, think about what I was going to do next. And then, Steve, um, towards the, well, I have to interject. While I was doing all these demos during the holiday season in 2015 and going into 16, I started not feeling well. Um, and I would come home from these demos and I said to my friends and family, I think I have a new disease. It's called demoitis. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I was really, really tired and um, I, I started having chest pains. And, um, and it, it, after doing the demo, I even felt worse. So I'd come home, I just said it. I was like, oh, this is, this is just really draining on me. And um, the chest pains continued and they continued to get worse. And I, I was so tired and I, I never, it was chronic. It was chronic, chronic pain and never right. went away. Oh. By June of 2016, I, um, I was afraid to shut my eyes at night. I thought I had lung cancer or something. I knew something was wrong. Sure. But I had gone to the doctor, Steve, in the fall of 2015, and I said to my doctor, I don't feel good, and, you know, this is what I'm having, and he said, well, Michelle, that, that's just costochondritis. For your listeners, that means inflammation of the tissue around the lung, mm. and there's nothing you can do about it, he said. It will go. He said, it will go away. Well, it didn't go away, so I went back in July 2016, so almost a year later, because I saw him in the fall 2015. And I said to him, I do. And meanwhile, I want you to know my cholesterol was extremely high. My dad's whole family died of heart disease. We have heart disease in our family. Yeah. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Hello. And even though I didn't look like your typical um, heart disease uh, person, because, you know, I was in shape and whatnot, he, he dismissed ordering an angiogram. And so when I went back and like almost a year later in July, I said, you know, something's wrong. He's like, Oh, well, maybe we should order an angiogram with contrast. And I thought maybe. So like a month later in August, I had this um, angiogram with contrast and it showed that I had 80 to 90% blockage in my LAD. Wow. Yeah. And they immediately then wanted to do a stent. And they, you know, we have to stent you. This is this is your main artery. This is called the the LED is called the Widowmaker. Yep. And at that point, Steve, I was really kind of irked. <laughs> I was like, Oh, now now I, I have your attention. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Cool. Hello. And you know, and I said, Well, I have to process this because I I really was in shock. Um, and my mom had even said to me when I was having all these chest pains, she's like, Well not your heart, Michelle, because you would have been dead by now. It's just, you're just under, yeah, she's like, you're just under so much stress because you've started your own company and you're working oh, yeah. all the time, you know, blame it on being an entrepreneur, right? So anyway, on September 16th, uh, 2019, I did have a stent put in my LAD. And then um, in recovery, some plaque got into, or actually when they put the stent in, the plaque got into a neighboring artery. And I had a heart attack. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, and I was in and I was in recovery, Steve, and I knew I was having a heart attack. It was, it was like I'm gonna die because, of course, um, nobody was in there with me, and I couldn't get up because I had just had a stem put in, so you have to lay on your back for 24 hours. And um, so oh. finally, yeah, finally a nurse. I, I said, uh, you know, I, I get my mom. I need my mom, and she came in, and the nitro drip wasn't even turned on. And then they realized I was having a heart attack and rushed me into ICU. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is why I thus in 2000, in, when I got out of, in, you know, I thought, okay, there's two things I can do. I can, I can help other women and help save lives and get involved with American Heart Association and make a difference, or I can feel sorry for myself and just, you know, whatnot. And that's not who I am. So, I got really involved with American Heart, and in 2017, I launched a salt-free spice line. Ah, okay. Because people with heart disease are supposed to have very little low-sodium, low-sodium diet, or, you know, really no salt at all. It's just... Right. If you can yeah. avoid it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, so one of the ways I processed living with heart disease is to... Um, come out with the salt-free line, which I, I didn't send you any samples of that because I, I just thought, well, I'll send you our best sellers. <laughs> but um, I mean, people like salt, but everything well, yeah. in moderation. Um, so, uh, you know, and then I got involved with American Heart and I actually just applied for a national brand um, ambassador position for 2021 with them. And I'll know in September if, if, if well, I don't know, I'll know sometime this fall if I get accepted, but that's really part of who I am now. And the whole brand has always been chemical free, no fillers, no additives, right. you know, and that's, that's, that's the premise of Love of Woody. And um, so that gives you a little bit background about the spices, but I also kind of want to talk to you about my dog and cat lover spice. Yeah, because you, right. So again, there are a lot of people in the business that have gone through experiences and, in, in, you know, their cancer and, and a number of other things, heart disease in your case, whatever, who take either at that point, take the focal point of the food and begin to shift it as yeah. well as having it as a mission for the brand. And, uh, and, and, you know, obviously the, the direction that you went in, but you, you also had a very beloved pet. So yeah, please tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, you know, what I found out about myself, Stephen, is, is that I create products sometimes, or most of the time now, based on the fact that there's a problem and I need a solution. And that's kind of thus the self-free line. And then now my dog and cat lovers line. So my little dog, Lucy, um, got very ill in um, the beginning of 2018. She had a seizure. She stopped eating. And... Um, she was about, but she's 16 and a half now. So she was going to die. And I took her to the vet that we went to for 13 years. And she said, oh, she's just an old dog. She's probably got brain cancer. You should put her down. And I thought, no, that's not the way I roll. I'm just not going to accept that. Um, <laughs> and I found a new veterinarian. And I, and we started Lucy on some meds. And she started giving her acupuncture, which I highly recommend for a a dog that um, acupuncture and laser has really helped Lucy with her arthritis. But I also wanted to 
figure out how to get her to eat again and how to, you know, as dogs get eight, dogs and cats, as they age, they become more picky. Right. And so I started doing research, Steve, and I found that there's a lot of natural herbs that you can give your dogs and also your cats. And being the fact that I had a spice line, I started playing around with different um, concoctions and I would take the different blends into the veterinarian and um, they had a, like six cats there and my vet has like four dogs at home. So I'm like, you know, give this to your dog or give this to your cats and see if they oh, like yeah. it. So, yep. Yeah, right. So we tested the spices with a lot of dogs and cats and finally we came out with a good mixture that um, worked and I'm happy to say that little Lucy is still with me and I have friends right. that their dogs will not eat without that dog lover's spice on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, so, that, that opens up a whole, that's a whole new category, right? And yeah, uh, yeah to give that a little bit. It's, it's one of the things with yeah, having spent some time in the, in the spice business with both McCormick and, and French's jerkies. Um, a lot of the stuff with blends is the fact that they are mostly salt. So when yes, you, you're getting absolutely. something that you like and you say, oh, let's get this mixture of this good stuff. And you take a look at the label and the first ingredient is salt. Yep. And, and, and then the next one might be garlic salt. So that's salt and then garlic salt, not just dehydrated garlic, but garlic right. salt or celery salt or whatever. So you have to be very careful about you know, doing that. And one of the things I always wanted to, to, to see and, and, and it never came to fruition was, you know, the Mrs. Dash, uh, which they've now just recently renamed Dash. The Mrs. is gone. Um, but I always wondered why they didn't do a Mr. Dash and put salt in it because it would have seemed like such a natural thing to say, well, we got this great spice blend made for people who don't want to have any salt, but Oh, by the way, if you're okay with having a little salt, here's a whole line extension, but they never did it. So it didn't happen, but um, right. it, is one of the, it is one of those challenges. And uh, you know, I, I roll a little on my own of blends and right. um, you know, and yeah, and it's one of the things you try to be you know careful with it. And I, although not necessarily for blood pressure or anything, try to stay more away from the salt. It's mainly for other family members, but, um, but you do have to be very careful with it because uh, it's, it's amazing how salt like sugar creeps into just a host of things we eat. Right. And, 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 you know, Steve, I created also two cookbooks. I have a salt-free cookbook and I have a grilling spice cookbook and one of the things that I found out when you're cooking, first of all, I want to also tell your listeners that we have a ton of recipes on loveafoodie.com. So oh, right, great. A ton. And when you're cooking, when I'm using my salt-free spices, like our number one seller is citrus lovers. It's lemon, lime, orange, a little garlic, and a little red pepper flake. Mm. I often use other things to enhance it. Like I use orange juice, and I use olive oil, and I use lemon juice or lime juice, and I make a mixture of all that with the spice so even though i'm not adding sugar i'm getting the sweetness of a natural orange juice but i'm getting um you know there's other ways to use like one of our um, other salty spices is garlic and green herb i mix that with non-fat yogurt so you know i think the trick to using salt free spices is learning how to incorporate other juices and other um other types of oils to bring out the flavor and enhance right, right, the, to flavor. Enhance the flavor. Exactly. And, and then you don't miss the salt. You really don't because you're tasting, it's just so clean. And 
and all of our spices, I have to keep saying, there's no fillers, there's no chemicals. And, you know, these big companies, these big spice companies, they actually put all this, these fillers in these anti-caking agents. And so you, you have to use more of their, like, like if you use another blend from these other companies, you have to use more of their spice because it has less flavor. Ours right. are so concentrated because there's no fillers in them that you don't need to use as much. Yeah. So, yep. For sure. You know, and, and the consumer doesn't know that because obviously they don't want to tell you that. So um, I, you know, another part of my platform is when I'm in the stores, I'm in our arm, I go on TV a lot here locally and um, I, and I, hopefully I'll be getting my own TV show soon. That's something. Um, ah, okay. Yeah. That's, um, Starting here probably locally on a cable show, but I've been approached and uh, going to be on. Have you ever heard of foodietv.com? Yes. They are going to feature Love of Foodie and me. Um, I'm not quite sure when. We're, I'm speaking to them the end of the month, so I'm extremely excited okay. about that too. And and a cook and obviously a cooking show. I don't I don't know if, if it's going to be. Okay. They, yeah, well, our first call is the end of August, or so in a couple of weeks. So I don't know. They're just really, they've been following me on Instagram. And I'd, I'd also encourage all of your viewers to follow Love of Foodie on LinkedIn, YouTube. We've got a channel. So I do a lot of like these short little cooking videos. Like this is what I made in the Love of Foodie kitchen tonight. And, and um, so YouTube is real big for Love of Foodie. Um, Love of Foodie clean eating page on Facebook. And then Instagram, Love a Foodie, and Twitter, right. Love a Foodie. Michelle, I have to ask you before we get too far afield of the of the of pet spices and stuff. What what kind of herbs and spices do dogs and cats respond to? So the dogs lovers has turmeric in it, ginger, cinnamon, so it smells really really good. Parsley. Um, the cat lovers has Cats, it's, cats can't have the same spices as dogs. So the cat lovers has basil, parsley, dill, and a little catnip. I was saying a little catnip. I know because because not we, enough to make them go crazy. We only use a, a small right. percentage. We, but, we have um, we have two cats, and, and the and the girl cat definitely is a parsley lover. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. And the parsley is also in the um, basil and parsley are also in the dog lovers. But what I'm working on now, Steve, and I, this probably won't come out for another year or so, is um, I'm actually made doing this at home for Lucy. I'm taking the dog lovers and I'm making her a frozen treat with it using kefir. And because uh, okay. she, she absolutely loves it. It's got bananas in it, coconut, and um, I can't tell you all the ingredients, but... I, it's something that I want to come out with because there again, um, it's another way to get that boost in nutrition and dogs love frozen, you know, there's kind of a new category within the pet categories that those frozen little, you know, treats. I don't know if you've ever noticed if you don't have a dog, but they do have um, these frozen like different yes, they do. Yes. Oh, yeah. cups. And, yeah. Yep. So that's something I would love to come out with. Um, I'll have to work with an ice cream co-packer and it's going to take a lot of money and I don't not at that point to launch anything more because I just launched an iced tea line. Right. That's the next thing we were going to talk about. So, okay. So, wow. So spices to iced tea. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about that. You know, where the idea came from, were you making your own, how, how, how did it come out? 
Well, you know what I wanted, Steve, and this is before the pandemic and before the virus and everything, is that because grilling is such a big, big part of Level Foodie's business, I thought, you know, I want to have to kind of go along with the barbecue and grilling season. I want to clean drinking uh, cold brew iced tea. And I did some research and the big company with the letter L uses <laughs> all <laughs> artificial flavoring in their cold brew and in their teas. And I thought, I, do this, I don't want to put anything artificial in my body. And so I thought if I'm going to come out with something, it's going to have to align. Everything that I do has to make sense and it has to um, fit our platform, which is clean eating and now clean drinking. So our teas, there's two black teas. Um, there's the passion fruit, which is our number one seller. Right. And we use natural oils to flavor the tea. So there's no artificial flavors. The passion fruit has um, natural passion fruit and orange flavor. It's, it's fantastic. And then I have a lemon lovers, which is also a black tea that has natural lemon in it. And then I came out with two herbal teas because um, a lot of people are caffeine sensitive. Yes. And I, I'm being one of them. I can drink caffeine, you know, a little bit during the day, but like in the morning, I'll pour myself a raspberry uh, iced tea or a, a blood orange, and I can drink both the blood orange, which is also herbal, and the raspberry all day long and have no side effects. And, yeah. It, yeah. you know, and, and, and there's also um, recipes. This is kind of fun, but I debuted the iced tea line on TV a couple weeks ago via Skype. Yep. And um, we came out with a raspberry chocolate tea cake. Oh, hmm. using the I took the tea bag and I opened it up and I used the tea in the frosting. Well, well, it's actually we um, seeped it out and then in the cake. So and then I made a passion fruit uh, shortbread cookie. Right. Same thing using the passion fruit tea, the loose tea in the um, cookie. So I and then I made a drink. I took the blood orange brewed iced tea and I made an apple spritz. Oh yeah, really good. Like and the it, yeah. raspberry, the raspberry iced tea makes a great Moscow mule. <laughs> I'll bet it does. <laughs> it does. So it's just kind of creative. There's a couple other recipes on to the website using the iced tea line. Um, one one is a tuna with the lemon lovers and uh, a taco. But we just, I just, I love to create, and I wanted to show people how you know what it is a drinking iced tea line. But if you want to get creative. It's really like yeah, tea. and there, there's there's organic vodka out there. So uh, yeah, you know, get square square one is a, a notorious one. Love it. Um, yeah. So Michelle, now one of the things from your experiences, um, obviously you've done some pivots. Um, yes. You've had to build and keep this thing going during, I'm sure, the re recovery from your your operation and, and the heart attack. Um, yeah. What were some of the biggest challenges? Was it you know, was it funding? Was it trying to get buyers to understand the shift in your products? Or what was the big challenge you had that you had to overcome? Well, the big challenge now still, Steve, is funding. I'm a one-woman show. Um, I literally, what I say, I mean, I have a co-packer that does all the co-packing and ships to my customers. I have a, a, a small team that manages the website for me and does like my, you know, they create all the labels. So the cat lovers, the dog, the raspberry tea labels, everything. 
they are, they just, they've been with me. They created the website from day one. And yeah. so they, they get the brand. They've helped me build the brand and um, they, they take direction. You know, I say, I want to do this T line and they, they, they just are amazing. So other than them and me, that's it. So um, my, my, my goal is, hopefully to get into some national accounts this year by, or the beginning of 2021. A lot of buyers have said, you know, this year's a wash. Yeah. Um, are you familiar with range me? Oh yes. Okay. So I'm on range. We just had the guys from range me, uh, two guys from Brandon and Veer on the program a, a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and yeah, so very familiar, but you're working okay. on that. Yep. Well, yeah, so I decided at the beginning of the year because I knew I was coming out with a nice tea line and I just decided, you know, this is the year that I'm going to invest in being on range me. So it's a, for those listeners that don't know, it's, I highly recommend it. It's a portal for vendors to uh, put their products out there and then the large grocery national accounts can view your products. They can see what your price is, your cost, your ingredients. They can see pretty much everything about your line and um, it's a great way to get visibility with the people that are going to decide if they want your brand or not. Especially when they're not doing meetings this year. So exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so I'm hoping that, I mean, right now, Steve, I don't have any like a Kehi or UNFI. I don't have a distributor. And so this is a challenge of, for me. Um, all the customers that I have, I ship directly or, or my co-packer ships directly too, which is fine if they're at a but they can't be probably more than 100 stores or, or more right for right. the grocery so if i want to get into like safeway or Publix, i'm going to have to have a distributor yep or several yeah or yep. several right yep. and and a distributor won't bring you in unless they've already sold you to one of their customers right so you know my hope is that um i've I mean, I'm getting a lot of views on Range Me. It, it, just from what I see, it looks like there's interest. Um, and, you know, I also live in the city where Target is based, and I'm interested in getting That's Target. That's a good thing, right? Yeah. Um, Walmart has an open call right now. And for those of you that are on Range Me, you've probably seen that. That's another option that you can submit five items, and they'll let you know in October they're interested in so um you know right now i would say my two biggest challenges that i have are getting the brand national because that's going to make me very attractive to investors and finding investors <laughs> and, and finding investors uh, always yeah. a major uh, yeah a, a major part of building the brand is uh, having the, the availability of capital is just absolutely uh, critical and you know that's uh, a, a common common thread um it, in the in the meantime as you're getting ready to do quote unquote 2020 we have the pandemic um right. so did did you find all this sudden that there were places where like maybe amazon your sales went up and and obviously retail maybe you couldn't get into a whatever how's that affected the business yeah you know it, it i the first month i was like wow how am i going to do this because i i used to go into the stores and do demos all the time every weekend and i'm like i can't be in a store now because there's no demos 
So I was really concerned and also at the brink of growing season, you know, how, how I'm still very much building the brand. Um, But what I did, Steve, is I got creative. First of all, to answer your question, my Amazon sales did increase considerably and so did my level40.com sales. I started advertising a lot on Facebook, on our Facebook pages and doing ads, doing, because everyone is home. And so they're right. spending more time on, on, on the internet. So yes, that has increased my sales. And then I started really also just reaching out to past customers. Um, I'm in some Lowe's food stores in North and South Carolina. And I'm like, hey, you guys, it's the beginning of grilling season. You haven't ordered in, you know, in X amount of time and you need to get back in. And so a lot of um, just, you know, reaching out, hey, it's time. And I'm, you know, and I've gotten new customers, um, even though, I mean, in, in, I was fortunate enough before the pandemic had, I got into Molly Stones, which is a upscale grocery chain in uh, the San Francisco area. Francisco area, yep. Yeah. Very, very nice stores. And so I got in there and they put me in the July 4th ad. They put me in the summer catalog. Um, So that was a really nice shout out. I got into um, a chain of stores out east, a small group of stores called Di Chaco and Sons. And this all happened right before the pandemic. So, um, you know, I, but, you know, and then I, I'm I'm really good at networking. I'm really good at social media and, uh, getting on WCCO again to, to debut the ice tea line a couple weeks ago. I mean, there was so much unrest here in the Twin Cities with George Floyd and yes. um, the yep. city burning down. <laughs> and coupled that with the pandemic, there was, you know, a good six to eight weeks where people were just really, it was just, it was just a survival. Like, I don't want to, so it, but then, you know, you, you pick up as soon as things settle down and they, they have settled down. And, um, and it's every day. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I work every day. I mean, I'm sending emails to people on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. I, yeah, I think the, the, the whole in, in different stages, different, obviously different, different places, but Minneapolis and Portland, uh, Seattle to a certain extent, but there was a lot of hunkering down for yeah. a good 30, 45 days there. And I think one of the things that it, people, you know, if, if you look at it statistically, you say one of the most dangerous places I can go is to the grocery store. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. And, and so people were, were obviously that's part of the increase for Amazon for other online purchasing. And, and some of that is going to hold, it's going to hold beyond whatever the next phase is because it's been long enough to create uh, a habit. Um, but on the other hand, we also went through, at least, you know, I did and, and members of my family and friends, uh, I'm going to say, we did a pantry clearing where we literally would, go, you know, we were going in and looking at this thing and saying, oh, wow, here's this, you know, here's this, here's this rub I have for pork. Well, I, I better use this up, <laughs> right? right. It's been sitting there for a year, but that's okay. We're, we're going we're gonna to use it up now. But that, that also tends to be a good thing because then when that's all done, then there's there's space in the pantry or space in the shelf or wherever you have your stuff and people look and say okay so i need to go back out and find that that was pretty good i think i'll get that again or uh, i want something you know slightly different so i think that's going to happen when and what i'm looking for right now actually is this is traditionally back to school time 
right. and, even, and even though whether it's your kids are going back to school or kids are not going back to school, they're going to do virtual, whatever, there's a consumer mindset that says back to school. I need right. to make right certain purchases or certain things and, and activate. And it will be interesting to see how that all plays out versus obviously the economic impact, negative economic impact of the pandemic itself and high unemployment and foreclosures right. and, and everything else. But, um, but it will be a different thing to see as people begin to progress from traditional, you know, grilling time to, you know, more stuff just cooked in the kitchen. Right. And, you know, the other thing is, is that I think because people are, are home now and, and some people aren't eating out, I am eating out. I was, you know, first week that restaurants opened. Um, but, you know, the, having a line of spices and, and different, um, I've got an umami spice, I've got a Jamaican spice. I think people are getting more creative and saying, okay, we can't just cook what we used to cook because we're not eating out. We have to learn maybe to cook some ethnic food or some, we have to broaden our recipe rapport because otherwise yes. it's pretty boring. And, yeah. and the kids are home and, you know, the husbands are home. I mean, people are home now. And so it's, you, you're cooking, you know, two meals a day instead of one. And um, so I try, that's why I have all these recipes online. They're pretty easy. And I try to make them with not a lot of ingredients because um, I always say with my spices, all you really need is olive oil and the spice. Because right. honestly, they all have so much flavor. You don't need to add cream and, and another spice and another, I mean, yes, fresh herbs are always good to add on top, but you really don't need anything other than the olive oil, which adheres to, so the spice adheres to whatever it is that you're doing. Like roasted vegetables, I do every night with olive oil and one of my spices. Right. Yeah. And you, it, it can be just like really quick, easy, but incredibly uh, flavorful. Right. Yeah. Right. And easy. And so, um, yeah, so, you know, I, but I think this year for a lot of people, it is, we don't know with the election now too, that also throws a monkey wrench in. I mean, I think for all these entrepreneurs, including me, uh, we just want this year to kind of end and let's begin 2021 because <laughs> once we know that it will get better and there will be a vaccine at some point and whoever's going to be president is going to be president and, and let's move on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we we can put we can put 2020 pretty much pretty much away. I think is you know, yeah. Um, it, as far as that goes, um, the the other aspect, of course, when we were talking about Range Me and and um, uh, we've also talked to folks at ECRM, um, and you know they had to pivot because they were doing events uh, with buyers um, at hotels. Yep. different parts of the country and you would get together for a couple of days and you'd have your fast i call it speed buying you do your speed right. buying um but they had to pivot because they can't go in a hotel and put a whole bunch of people together so they started doing virtual stuff and i think one of the outcomes of that is going to be that the buyers are going to see how efficient that really is and right. I think they're, they're going to do more of it going forward i think there's be a lot more digital purchasing going on um than there was before. And not that you're still not going to, you know, go, go to Target headquarters or go to Kroger in Cincinnati, whatever, but, uh, but there'll be less of that, I think, going forward because they'll say. I, I agree. I agree. Because first of all, I mean, all the buyers really need is what's the cost, what are the dimensions in a sample? Yeah. They don't need you to read through a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> or go through the spiel. Right. And, and, and it takes up their time. I mean, 
that's the, that's the, uh, I agree. I think, you know, um, even when people are flying again in a year or whenever, I, I think there'll be less face-to-face meetings going forward. Yeah. I never thought I would miss being on a plane, but <laughs> it's like, I want to fly somewhere. I want to go somewhere. It's, it's, yeah. it's time for sure. So folks, if you're interested in um, the Love of Foodie products and uh, whatever, it's www.luvafoodie.com. You can find the, find the stuff there. And Michelle, the, the brand ambassador role for American Heart, how is that doing? Well, I've been that since, so in Minnesota, I'm a local brand ambassador. And it, I mean, the first year it was great. They, they I um, had billboards up and we were on the back of buses. And every year they pick, so once you're a brand ambassador for that first year, they highlight you. And um, it's been very rewarding for me to share my story. It helps me process the fact that I can, you know, do some good and help other women. Right. And uh, I hope it morphs into a national um ambassador position for 2021 because that has always been my goal and I'm pretty goal oriented. So, um, <laughs> once I decide I want I think something it'd be great, if you could get to yeah. do it, you would be great. Ambassador. Yeah. 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 A lot of fun. Um, one of the, one of the things Michelle we, we do, um, is we, we always try to put our guests on the spot a little bit about, um, because our audience is fellow entrepreneurs like yourself and we really try to bring out, based on the experience and what folks have done in building their brands and their businesses to try to pick out, it can be one word, it can be one topic, it can be one area of the business that you think it's really important for other entrepreneurs to know. Can you do that for us? Sure. Well, I'll just sum it up, Steve, for me. And I think this is, this is just a sentence I made up and it's, Passion is the essential ingredient for all entrepreneurs to have in order to succeed. And I hope that you've heard my passion today uh, over the audio, because without having a passion for whatever it is an entrepreneur is doing, there's, they're not going to make it. They will. That's in my, in my estimation, in my feeling that it's the number one thing you have to have. Yeah. There's too many things to block you out there. If you don't have that deep. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great, uh, great, great advice. Great counsel. Um, Michelle, hey, I appreciate you spending the time with us today, learning more about great. and your story. And we get the, the tea totally launched and then we can have you back on whenever the next brand idea comes out. It'd be great. Perfect. And you know, there'll be another brand or there'll be I, another idea. <laughs> that's part then, of being an entrepreneur. You can't stop. Exactly. Right. It just, it just keeps coming. But anyway, yeah. so thanks so much. And, and, and thanks also for uh, all of you folks for joining us here and listening on the next level brands podcast, our podcast brought to you today by kitchen to shelf, the educational arm of next level brands and providers of courses, workshops, webinars, group, and one-on-one coaching for CPG entrepreneurs at any stage of growth. If you'd like to know more, check out the details at kitchen2shelf.com. That's kitchen, the number two, shelf.com, what you need to know to grow. This is Steve Clear, and we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Brands Podcast with G. Stephen Clear. Learn more at next with two X's, levelbrands.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Next Level Brands email list or subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode.